Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad to see you guys this morning. Happy Sunday. I did notice on the chat online that there were some technical issues, and if those aren't fixed up yet, I guarantee you they're working on them because these guys always work with each other. But good to see you guys this morning. Y'all ready for church? Come on, let's jump into the Word of God. Get your Bibles open to two locations. Uh, they're both in the Old Testament. One is Second Chronicles, not Second Corinthians. They sound the same. They're totally different. Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And then we're also going to look at Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. So find both of those. Hold on to them. We're going to jump into Second Chronicles chapter 20 first. Uh, and then we'll jump into the other a little bit later. But just to let you know, also next Sunday, we're going to do things a little different. It's July 4th. Love Independence Day, don't you? Yeah, so, but on July 4th, we're gonna, our service is going to be a little different. It's going to be abbreviated, so you don't, it's not going to take up your whole day. Uh, normally, I like to keep you guys here about six or seven hours on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> I'm usually not that bad. Uh, but but uh, it's going to be a little more abbreviated next Sunday, but I'm really looking forward to it. So don't be late next Sunday morning at 10 a.m., July 4th. I'm going to talk about freedom. It's going to be good, good, good. But right now, I am starting a three-part series, and the series is called The Power of Trust. And, and we're, I'm talking about the issues of trust, three different issues of trust. And today's title is called Trusting God Through Prayer. Say, say that with me. Come on, say the title with me. Say, Trusting God Through Prayer. Yeah, you know what? I love it because Richard Armenta was up here just a minute ago, and what, he, what was he talking about? Trusting God through prayer. I, I, I love it. Prayer is critical. It's foundational. It's fundamental for us. But man, we just miss it so often when it comes to actually following through with prayer. And, and I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you in a strong way to be confident in the power of God to answer prayer. I, I, again, I want you to be confident. 100% confident in the power of God to answer prayer because he does answer prayer. He does. There's one really interesting uh, incident. He does it in a lot of different ways. But we had this little incident. Uh, it was about five, six, maybe seven years ago. But we, we believe that God calls us not just to a city but also to a neighborhood. And this is a downtown neighborhood. People live here. They do business here. It's the most, it's the most diverse and, uh, neighborhood in the entire city in every different way. It's just very interesting neighborhood. I, I love it that our church is right in the middle of this neighborhood. But a few years ago, they found some bones as they were digging, a, con, a construction person. They, they found these bones, and they dug them up, and they believed that they were bones that belonged uh, to a to some Indians and that maybe there was an ancient Indian graveyard there. So they dug up the more bones and they stopped all of the work. They ceased everything. And, and, and then some individuals from the city said, well, what we need to do is we need to get, get a, a, a legitimate Fort Worth Native American descendant. We need to get them out here to, uh, to pray over this and to call down the ancient spirits to come and inhabit this area and, to, and to, to summon them and to dance and to chant and, and to bring everybody else around so we can dance and chant with them and we can summon these ancient spirits. Now, please understand, you're going to summon some ancient spirit. If it's not the spirit of God, you're summoning a demon, okay? And, 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 and I read about this, and it was, it was all being put on, especially by downtown Fort Worth, Inc. was kind of working with it and, and uh, City Hall. And I'm like, like, not on my watch. This is my neighborhood. This is not going to happen. So I did a protest in the streets for four days. Actually, I didn't do that at all. There's a better way to do spiritual warfare. So what I did is I called up the mayor's office and I said, stop this nonsense. Actually, that's not what I did. There's something more powerful, and it's called prayer. 
there's no reason to create a big scene out there. And like, why don't you just deal with it in the spirit realm? So what I did is I contacted some of our prayer warriors, some intercessors, and I said, I want you guys to be on site, and you are going to pray, just split up, surround that whole event, when they're trying to come summon these spirits, and I'm going to ask you guys to pray that this thing doesn't happen, that it stops, and then you guys are the prayer shield for, the, for downtown. Will you do it? I commission you. I bless you in Jesus' name. But I don't want to go over there because I'm going to draw too much attention to myself. People know me in the neighborhood, and they want to talk to me, and I'm going to be going, Jesus' name. You know, I don't want to. So I just stayed back. I, I didn't have to be there. Well, it was a bright, sunny, beautiful day. And the assembly came together. A bunch of people came around to participate in the summoning of the ancient spirits to call them down into downtown again. And uh, the guy got up. The, the, the people started talking. You get some public events. People just start talking and talking and talking and talking. Well, they kept talking and talking and talking and talking. And then the Indian guy got up there. And as soon as he was up there in his full costume, as soon as he came up there on this beautiful, clear day, all of a sudden a little cloud appeared. And the cloud got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The intercessory team was watching, and all of a sudden the wind started blowing. There was a zero. I, if you go back and look at the date, there was a zero forecast for any rain that day. None. Zero chance. And you know, in Texas, when it says zero, that means zero, right? This little cloud began to form, and some wind began to calm. And the guy said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this ceremony. We're not going to be able to do the dance and all this because it looks like it's about to rain. So we just need to wrap this up. And so they wrapped it up. The rain started falling. People scattered. It was all over with. And within 10 minutes, the cloud disappeared. It was bright and sunny again, and it all was dispersed. Now, I want to tell you guys, I didn't have to be there, but people were there on site with prayer, and I believe they were protecting our neighborhood in the spirit realm. You can call it all nonsense, but that's your problem because I know the reality of the power of God. Prayer works. Sometimes prayer like that is it's a proactive prayer. You're, you're going to deal with something that just needs to be dealt with. But there are other times when a crisis hits. Some of you are walking through a crisis right now, and it hits, and what are you going to do? I visited my mom this week, spent a couple days with her, and uh, I, I went out to, with my mom to help her decorate my, my, the, uh, the monument that was on my dad's grave. So I took her out there to the cemetery, uh, took her out to see some of her friends there in town, and, and it was a great time. Being with my mom was just wonderful. And, but as I was with my mom, I didn't bring this up, but as I was with her, I was just reminded of the beautiful story of my birth when I was born, when I came into this world. And I was born in a little town called Randall, Washington, which is, you guys all know where that is. No, you don't. I know you don't. But it's just in the middle of the Cascades. It's, a, it's this isolated little logging town up in the mountains. And there's nothing there. There's just, there's nothing. To, I've looked it up. I've looked it up on Google Earth and looked at it. The, there's not, nothing there. And my mom went into labor, and she was moving very quickly into labor, and they knew there was no way she would have time to get to the nearest hospital, which was three hours away. So she was able to contact the doctor. My dad contacted the one lone doctor that was there in town. He had a little clinic set up in his house, and took my mom in there, and she was going to have this baby right there. But again, thinking, this is going to be okay. We don't need a hospital. And, and all of a sudden, everything got really complicated. You see, my mom was already, I was already two weeks overdue, and there were complications beginning in the womb. And uh, the doctor was ready to deliver me and says, this baby is breached, and this isn't going to work. The doctor then told my dad, said, you guys need to pray. Uh, and and I, need a, I need an answer. Who do you want to live? Do you want your, your, do you want your child or do you want your wife to live? Because you've got to choose one because this doesn't look good at all. So how do you like that, kind of coming into this world with a death sentence on your life? And that's, that's what it was. My dad was a pastor, though. And what he did is he got on the phone and he called a few people who called a few people who called a few people and people left their jobs, they left wherever they were, and they came to the little tiny church that my dad pastored there in Randall, Washington, and they began to pray. 
And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And they prayed. And then at the last minute, the doctor said, the baby's turning, and I was born. I was born natural. I mean, I came out screaming, and my mom and I were still here. And that was a miracle story of how God intervened when people prayed. Somebody prayed. A church prayed. See, Satan's plans to harm my mother, Satan's plans to harm me, they didn't work because people prayed. All right, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. I want you to follow along with this story. We're going to read a good chunk of this chapter, so follow with me. After this, and if you want to know what the after this is, you've got to look back at the previous chapter. That's your own business, but you read the Bible. But after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So just to understand this, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and these were neighboring tiny small nations that were around them, and they were all coming together just to take over. They were just going to come and take the land. And says, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom on the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Now look at this. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. I find that interesting because it's the first thing he did not, he did not call his generals in first thing. The people of Judah came back together to seek help from the Lord. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord and in front of the new courtyard. And he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms and the nations. Power and might are in your hand. And no one can withstand you. Oh God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague, or famine, we will stand in your presence. Get that? We will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Now, I want to pause there for just a second. So Jehoshaphat, it says in this version, he was alarmed. In every other version of the Bible, the word that's used there is he was afraid, or he was fearful, or he was overtaken with fear. So fear jumped on him naturally because it looks like they could potentially lose everything, their lives, their land, everything. But he didn't allow the fear to push him into a corner. He responded correctly. Now, yesterday I found a snake in the house. I know you guys love it when you find a snake in the house. Yeah, I, I saw something. I was like, okay, there, there is a snake in the house. And I, you know, we're good Texans. We understand how that works. He, he got in there. Yep. So the old snake in the house trick, I, I was like, well, what I did is I backed the snake into a corner. The snake got scared. Uh, but, but, and at first, I'll tell you what, when I saw it, I was alarmed. I was scared. Like, ah! Start looking at the patterns on it. And, and okay, this looks like a rat snake. I don't know. I really don't know. Really don't know. I really don't care. The snake is going to die. For those of you who are snake lovers who think that rat snakes should run around your house killing, you know, whatever they're looking for, I don't know. You're crazy. You're crazy. So if, you, you know, if you're mad at me for killing a rat snake, go ahead and be mad, but it's my house, all right? Let them live in your house. Next time, I'll take it to your house. All right, anyway, I go in there, and I get it in the corner, and I'm calling the dogs with me. I'm like, well, the dogs can have some fun here. I don't think this thing ain't poisonous. And the dogs got it. They got scared. They backed off. Like, the chihuahuas. It's a, yeah, come on. Come on. I went in there and killed the snake, executed it, beheaded it took it out, and I thought, now they can play with it. I threw it in the yard, and they just did not want to even look at that thing. So we went out, we had a funeral for it, buried it in the backyard. They kind of sniffed around the tomb. Yeah, but but I, was, you know, I experienced a little bit of that adrenaline last night at the house, but 
it's, it's like, what do you do? Like the snake got into a corner. Fear overtook him. But like at that point, I was going to take action. Now, the truth is, I didn't hold, start in holding a prayer meeting because I think I knew what I was dealing with there. But, you know, what happens with, when fear overtakes us? There's a lot of fears. Fear is just, fear controls people. I mean, right now, there's this fear of the future. There's fear of, there's a fear of the present. There's a fear of the economy. There's fear of death. There's fear of persecution. There's fear, 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 fear. And, and when these fears come up on you, just even the regular fears or an immediate fear, it can be, it can just literally push you into a corner. In fact, I was doing a little bit of study on fear this week, and psychologists say that fear is the greatest single emotion that influences people the most, fear. And the common symptom, get this, the common symptom of 90% of chronic health issues, chronic patients, the common symptom is fear, and it's found in 90% of the people who have chronic health issues. And the trouble, the trouble actually didn't start with a cough or a pain, but the trouble actually started with fear. See, what fear does, fear backs you into a corner. Fear makes you think there are no possibilities. There's no hope. I'm stuck. My world is crashing in on me. What am I going to do? I don't know. So, so, so let me ask you, where is this happening in your life today? Where are you in a situation where you just don't know what to do? You don't know. You literally do not know what to do. And fear, it has that power to paralyze you. But I'm going to challenge you to not dwell in fear. And I don't think you guys are the ones to want to do that, but I'm going to give you a really good option right here. The way to do it is you call on God, and you need to pray. And sometimes, just like Jehoshaphat did, he called a fast. You need to fast, and you need to pray. And I encourage you, when you're going through something like this, don't do it alone. Don't just walk through it alone. Get someone else in it. Get someone else in with you. Get others to pray with you. There is power in concentrated prayer. I like it. Verse 3, it says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved. I love it. In, that means in the middle of his fear, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Tell God what's on your mind. Like Richard said earlier, it's not, there's not necessarily a right way to pray. I think there are good patterns and things like that, but you just talk to God. Get other people praying with you. And, and, and what he did is he just started off by praising God. God, they're just going to worship you. God, we're going to honor you. We're going to remind you. I, I like it because they reminded God. Hey, God, when we dedicated this land, we said that if something bad happens to us, we're going to come and pray, and you're going to deliver us just reminding you. I, I like that. God didn't need the reminder. We need the reminder because when we start praying, when you say, God, you know what your word says that when I pray, miracles are going to happen. So we, we're we not really reminding God. We're actually reminding ourselves through prayer. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat was doing. So we need the reminder more than him. All right. Look at verse 10. He continues his prayer. He says, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them. And did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us. Basically, they're saying, hey, God, we didn't even go and invade those lands because you said not to. And now they're not going to repay us because we were nice to them. <laughs> All right? So see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, God, will you not judge them? Look at this next. Verse 12 is powerful. He says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Look, look this. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You ever prayed that before? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When I was in college, I had this, uh, this old Mustang. It was, it was the car that got me around. I loved it. It was, it was kind of fast, but it was always fun to drive. I liked it. I liked driving it. Uh, but uh, and I, I, when I sold it, I sold it and bought an engagement ring for the lady that I married. So, so every time she sees a ring, she says, there's that old Mustang. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But that car kept breaking down. It would, it would just break down. We, I, just, I had issues from time to time. And one day it broke down, which is kind of the norm for that old car. And, and, uh, and there was this girl on campus. It wasn't, it wasn't Rebecca yet. She hadn't. She hadn't started college yet. But there was this girl on campus who said, well, I'll let you buy, borrow my brand-new 1984 Mustang 
I'm like, well, it was brand new then. I mean, it was brand. It was like has the new car, everything new, 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 new. And uh, and I went to the store and I and I, I took the car and I did what I was going to do and I I got there and and got back home. I was like, this is fine. We got safe back. And I got out of the car, and no kidding, the the uh, driver's side rear tire, I I could hear air coming out of it. It was going, and it was it was it was deflating. And I was sitting there going, no. No, 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 this is a borrowed car. I, I, I can't do this. Why? My car's breaking down. I drive someone else's car, and now they get in a flat. I, I don't have time for this. I got to get to class. I don't have, I'm, I'm not going to be like, I can't. And so I did. God is my witness. This happened. He, it really happened. I said, I, am, I do not have time for this. And I went over to the tire. I've never done this since. But I went over to the tire, and I said, in Jesus' name, tire, be healed, stop this nonsense in Jesus' name. And I'd walked away. And I kept hearing the hiss as I walked away. I was like, no, it, it's, that tire is healed. I did. I really did. I went to class, still had the girl's uh, car keys in my pocket, came back after class because I had to return it back to her, her dorm and I walked by the car. God is my witness. There was no psst anymore. And the tire was inflated to normal. It was normal. Wow. It was normal. <laughs> so I was like, thank you. God cares about these little things. I went and returned the keys to her. I didn't say anything for, for a couple of months. And I finally said, you just need to know this. This is like, I, I, and I don't know whether anybody believed me or not, but I don't care. I really don't. I don't care whether you believe me or not. But what the problem was is I cried out. I said, God, help. God, help. I don't know what to do. Now, it might have been a minor thing, but I cried out, God help, I don't know what to do. And that's exactly what we need to say. Look at back at verse 12. It says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now, can you imagine a king doing it? Can you imagine a president doing that? Oh, we don't know what to do. Yep, we have no idea what to do. So we're just going to pray. Now, that would be the most horrible PR move for a president ever, Right? I, I, I guarantee you, the president isn't going to say that. They're like, oh, we've got it all figured out. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> but I love it because that's the humility of this man saying, you know, I'm the king. I've got the armies, but we don't know what we're going to do. We need to pray. We're going to call on God. I'll tell you guys, that is a powerful faith strategy for all of us. Basically, it's, the, it's this line right here. It's basically to say this, God, my eyes are on you. <laughs> You're my only hope. You are my only hope. Some of you need to make that a part of your prayer. You need to put that right in front of God immediately. Start looking at God. Stop, stop, stop staring at the problem that's in your face, that source of your fear. Get your eyes on God. Again, my challenge for you today is this, is be confident in the power of God to answer your prayers. Be confident in the power of God to answer your prayers. Oh, you know, another time when I was in college, that old Mustang did it again. It did it again at the most inconvenient moment. It was, my, it, was, it was about my third year in college, and I would have to stay, uh, stay on campus during holidays and all summer because I had a job there in town. I had to work to pay my way through college. and So, so I had a job there. I couldn't just go home. I missed a lot of holidays at home. And then when they would say, we'll, give you, we'll pay you like triple time to, to work on the holiday, I'm like, yeah, I'm in, in Jesus' name, thank you very much. <laughs> I'll call mom and, and dad and say hi. But... I did that a lot in college, and, uh, and, and I also kept serving at my church. There was a church that I served at. It was about a 30-minute drive away from where, I, uh, where my dorm room was. And uh, I had a responsibility. I was, my roommate and I, we were the teachers of the five-year-old boys' Sunday school, and they were also the directors of the Second Service Children's Church. So and it was a big church, and so there was, there was, a, that was a lot of responsibility for us. And, <laughs> and my roommate was gone because he got to go home, you know. I was stuck there, and I went out in the morning, and it was like one of those cold mornings. I mean, like, like a real cold morning. You guys, you guys already know what that's like, okay? It was about 20 degrees outside. I went out, went out to the car, and sure enough, click, 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 click. I had gotten dressed. I was ready to go. Click, click, click. Okay. I got mad. I, I got mad. I did not do a baby prayer. 
I didn't do a little, oh, maybe I'll just go back to my room and call in. I don't know. It's like, no, there are little boys. I, I sat there in the car, and I said this. There are little boys and girls who are going to expect me to be there to teach them this morning. I'm not going to let them down. There's, there's going to be a service full of children. That I'm going to be there because I'm the director of that. This is not going to stop me. And I said, in Jesus' name, I yelled at that that battery I said battery recharge in the name of Jesus be infused with power I prayed it it's really happened I just wish I had more witnesses for these things <laughs> and I and I, I turned it over and it didn't like no it just went turned over real fast and all of a sudden this, this rush of adrenaline then came over me like thank you Jesus and I get this car going went all the way I had a great time had a good time in church Nobody ever knew that God performed a miracle for me so that I could just simply be there to be with the boys and girls. That's like how God responded to Jehoshaphat's prayers. If, if you read on for the next oh, 11 verses or so, just to give you a little summary, uh, they, they began praying and this prophet stood up and said, God has told me this, is that the battle is not yours. You, the battle is not yours. The battle is God. He, he told them, so don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And so they all fell on their faces and they began worshiping God. I mean, can you imagine? It, it would have been an intense setting. And then the, so they, they finished up that prayer service. And the next morning, the next morning, Jehoshaphat had an idea. He had his own idea. And he called some of his people together and says, I need your opinion on this. It's always good to get some outside opinions on these cool ideas you got, but, but he, he got this idea and probably thought, now this is obviously from God, and his advisor said, yes, 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 this is good, let's go for it. And so what he did is he appointed some men to get in front of the army. Instead of their getting ready to march out into battle, he appointed some men to get out in front of the army and to sing and to worship God, and so they did that, and as they went out and they began worshiping God, they didn't know, can, I mean, can you imagine me in that choir, and one of the guys up in front going, God, we love you. God, we love you. I hope you got your guns ready back there. And they didn't even have guns. So that's like, what are they going to do? God, we love you. But, and, and whether those guys had faith or not, they were still praising God. He appointed them. You have a job to do, and it's not, you're not going to use weapons. You're going to fight. You're, you're going to fight with some singing. So they're going to worship God. And they, they got out there, and the scriptures tell us that, that God sent ambushes ahead of them. And the enemy, they all, these enemies that were camped together, they were actually enemy nations themselves. They started destroying each other. <laughs> like, okay, that, that works. Uh, I, I love it. And, and here's my encouragement on this, is when, when you pray and you ask God to intervene, you need to trust God to do it his way. Now, I always have ways that I like things to be done, but God likes to do things his way. And quite often, it doesn't look like the way that we want it to be. But God's going to do it that way for a reason. You don't have to know the reason. You just need to give in to God. He may not answer the way that you expected. And, uh, you know, you might say, well, God, last time I asked for this miracle, you answered in this way, so I want you to do it again. And God might say, no, I'm actually going to kind of mess with you here. You're going to do it totally different this time. See, don't tell God how to do his job. But you do need to call on God to do it. And to, run, and to bring the, um, the, uh, the emergency rescue into you. So let God, let God be God, all right? Look at verse 24. Look at verse 24. It says, When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Can you imagine seeing that? <laughs> and and the, the singers would have been the first ones to see it. They're walking over the edge going, Lord, we love you. Okay, they're all dead. Yeah, praise God. It would have been amazing. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took them three days to collect it. And the whole time there was not one weapon that was used. In other words, they didn't, they didn't use a weapon at all, and they were made rich in the middle of it all. I mean, how did this happen? They prayed, they obeyed God, they rejected fear, they were going to move forward. Here's my question. What huge victory might be ahead of you if you'll just simply trust God through prayer? You don't even know. They had no idea what God was going to do. 
They had no, no idea they were going to come away from that without one person harmed. They had no idea they weren't going to have to raise one sword. They had no idea they were going to actually get all of the stuff that would take them three days to collect. No. They, they just did what God said. Simple, fearless prayer. And God is powerful. You get that? God is powerful. He, he's, he's, he's really powerful. There's a word for it that we use. God is omnipotent, and you can trust him. What's that situation that you need God to fix for you? Well, hear me well. You serve an omnipotent God, omnipotent God. You ever go through the Bible, and you see the term God Almighty or Almighty God? What that means is omnipotent God. He is all-powerful. So whenever you're in the Bible and you're seeing Almighty God, God Almighty, that's saying he has all the power. He has all the power. You think of this the other day. I, I saw something that said Google is the most powerful search engine on the planet. Like, okay. And, and I, I even tried this. I thought, well, what if I type this into a different search engine to actually, will it still say that Google's the most powerful? And they all say, we're the most powerful. Now, every, every place I tried it, it said Google is the most powerful search engine. But think about this. You have that power in the palm of your hand. You guys all have that. You can speak into your phone. You can use your voice and ask Google a question, and you're going to get an answer. You're going to get a variety of answers and responses. But think about this. If you have the Google app on your phone, the most powerful search engine on the planet, and you have it even on the front of your app, the first app that's there, right there, ready to go, but you and you show it off like, look at my Google app. Don't I have a pretty Google app? Oh, look at the cute little things they're doing on the Google app today. And show it off and tell everybody and show everybody, my Google app, I got it. But you never use it. You never ask it a question. You never utilize it. The most powerful search engine on the planet that's in the palm of your hands has no value, none whatsoever to you. And it's the same way about God. You can talk about God's omnipotence. You can say, oh, God's really special and read about God. But if you never ask God for help, his, omnipotent, his omnipotence for you is just going to sit there unused. You've got to ask. Trust God by actually praying. Verse 26, look at this. It says, on the fourth day, they assembled at the Valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. And that's why it's called the Valley of Barakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. It's interesting because they were rejoicing before, but now God had given them cause to rejoice, and so they rejoiced even more. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. I mean, imagine the celebration. A lot of very, very happy people completely different feelings four days earlier and it was still praise it was still they were you know but but there's a very different feeling but what was their response what was their response is they prayed that word baraka baraka that means praise that means honor and praise they they gave this place a new name the place where they received all of this this bounty bountiful goodness and they became wealthy and it was just a place of praise you know, some of you, you, you may need to rename your office or your car or your house. Put a name on, on that little spot where God worked a miracle and just, just give it a name. Just give it a name. Say, this is the place where God did this. I'm just going to give God praise for that. See, answered prayer, it will drive you to praise. And when you feel that need to praise, you need to praise the Lord. You, you need to pray. You need to, get, you need to get yourself up on the front row and say, God, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you because of, I, yeah. We went through some stuff, but I'm going to praise you and worship you. I was just thinking of this a minute ago. I know Caitlin had to step out here just a, just a moment ago. But uh, so awesome when Caitlin, you know, who's here worshiping with us today, uh, just a few weeks ago, when she was having her baby, things all kind of went sideways. And she ended up in the hospital and was losing so much blood that her, uh, her body went into seizures. Her husband and her mom were calling on people to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray, to pray. So we did. And we contacted so many of you guys. We began praying and praying, keeping everybody up to date, praying and praying and praying and praying. And miraculously, they were able to stop the bleeding, and she was able to be healed. She was out of that hospital. And you know what? She has no adverse effects of it whatsoever. Thank God for the miracle, for the miracle. It's just a pure miracle. 
And, and through this, she's here worshiping Jesus. And pretty soon she's going to be right back here on the platform singing praise to God again. God is exalted. God is magnified. And what happens is the onlookers look at what's going on in your life, and they're going to see, hey, God is at work. And Caitlin, I was just preaching about you. It's good to see you back. I didn't know I was going to preach about you, but I was like, it's time. I might as well. And it's, it's, you've got to just keep talking about how good your God is. Look at verse 29. It says, the fear of God came on the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the armies of Israel. Everybody else looks and says, oh, my word. God is powerful. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for God had given him rest on every side. God is ready to establish a new peace for some of you. And, and, and his name will be exalted. His name is going to be people. People are going to look at it and say, I know it was God because you couldn't make that happen, buddy. <laughs> Man, you could not make that happen. This had to be God. It had to be God. You're like, that's right. That's right. And you're going to say, of course. See, answered prayer gets people's attention. It does. But answered prayer only happens when people pray. To wrap this up, I want you to look at Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. It's a favorite passage of mine. King David, he wrote these words as a praise song. And, uh, and I'll just say Psalm 40, verse 1, is a good, is, this is a good psalm to read when you feel like you're pushed into a corner and you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now that mean that word waited doesn't mean he was sitting around hanging out. That, that's an active waiting. So that means he was in the presence of God. He was talking to God. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. For some of you, this is this is your story right here. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Some of you feel like you're in some a slimy pit right now feel like it's just mud and mire everywhere. God's ready to lift you out. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. You know, as you look at that, I, I have to say that's exactly what God did for Jehoshaphat. The same thing He did with David. The same thing He does for you. Are you going to allow it to work for you? Psalm 12, verse 17. We want to read this from the Passion Translation. It says, He responds to the prayer of the poor and the broken and will not despise the cry of the homeless. God's not expecting you to be all perfect, and He's not looking at your socioeconomic level. He's not looking at how good things are. Like, should I answer their prayer? Oh, they sure do look pretty. I think I'll answer their prayer. <laughs> Come on. I'm just saying, I'm ready to jump in there for He's not expecting everything to be polished, but he does want you to pray with faith. And when you do, you expect results. Are you willing now to be confident, to be confident in God's omnipotence to answer your prayers? The other day I found a little quote that I found in some old sermon notes of my father's. He had it in quotes, so I know these weren't his words. But the quote was this, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of God's omnipotence. See, prayer seems so weak. It's just like, what is this? So weak and so shallow, but it releases the omnipotence of God. First and foremost, if you're here today, we're going to pray for miracles in just a second. We're going to pray for miracles. But first and foremost, if you're here today and your life is not right with God, there's sin in your life and you make things right with the Lord, now is the time, this is the moment to give your life to Christ. I'd like every head to be bowed in this room. Please don't move for just a moment, please. You know, the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. I, I, that was the first thing on my mind when I got out of bed this morning. I thought, would I serve God? Would I worship God? Would I even go to church if there was not even answered prayer, if there were no miracles in this life, the answer is yes, because you know what he did? He's, even if he just did this one miracle, I would give him everything for the rest of my life. That's because 
He shed his blood for me. He took my punishment on the cross. My sin is forgiven. And I'm going to spend an eternity in, in heaven. And I do not have to suffer any fear of hell. No fear of hell. Because it's real. No fear of that because of the blood of Jesus that's, that's washed my sin away and has made me a new creation. He's preparing me a place to live in eternity in heaven. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's reason alone. But God continues to intervene in our lives. And he's there for us. And he's part of everything that we do. What a miracle. There's so much to this. But if you've not given your life to Christ, you need to do so now. You really do. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And, and if you're here in this room, or if you're online, and that's the case with you, if you're here in this room, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to lift your hand. If you're online, I want you to let one of the people who's, who's helping out on there, just let them know, I want to pray that prayer with the pastor. I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, I want you to lift your hand for me. I want to see that. I want to see your hand so I can connect my faith with you. Because today is going to be a new, brand new day for you. Brand new day for you. You need Jesus today? Will you lift your hand? One, two, three. Lift it up. Lift it high. Let me see. Hold it up so that I can see it. We're going to pray together. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's pray. If you're online, I want you to pray as well. In fact, the congregation, I want everyone in this room to pray. Pray with me these words. Dear Jesus, Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Make me a new creation. I choose today to give my life to you. Thank you for the miracle of eternity that I get to spend with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Very quickly, before we move to a time of prayer for miracles in this room, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to stop out there at the uh, next area, turn in the next card with your decision that you made today. We have a Bible we want to give to you. And I also want you to make a commitment that for the next six months you're going to be in church. You're just going to be here. You're not going to let anything hold you back. And watch what God will do in your life. But I want us to pray for some miracles. And my heart, my heart is, is heavy for various ones of you, so I know some of you are walking through, but Jake and Lindsay Jake, you've been through some stuff, and uh, Lindsay's back there taking care of babies. Is there any, oh, no, there she is. You stuck, but you decided not to sit by Jake. All right. Jake and Lindsay, I want to pray for you. Rebecca and I, we want to pray for you. And sometimes I, I just like, I, I, I just get tired of the way the enemy just, just tries to pick on you. But one thing I've appreciated about you guys is your faith and your resolve not that discouragement hasn't entered in, <laughs> but your faith has been strong. Lindsay, your faith has been strong. And I speak over you right now, you are healed in Jesus' name. Jake, I speak over you right now, you are healed in Jesus' name. I want us to pray, uh, and I want to pray. I want you guys to pray for a miracle with me. Will you do that? Well, let's just stand all across this room. And I want you to lead us into worship. And we're going to worship together. You know, worship... Worship, in fact, come up here on the platform. Come up here on the platform. Rebecca, bring them up here. Worship has this, this ability to, to bring in the presence of God. And I want to pray for them. And I want you guys to pray for them and also to sing and to worship. Because this is what the church does. This is how miracles happen. And we're going to pray for you guys. We're going to pray for a miracle. Come on, church, let's pray. Let's worship. Come on. Jesus, I thank you so much for living. And I thank you for Jake. And Lord, I pray over them and I anoint them with oil in the name of Jesus. And I pray for the healing power of God, the healing power of God to be upon their lives. And I pray that every weapon that's been forged against them will not prosper in Jesus' name. Every weapon formed against them will not prosper in Jesus' name. These are warriors for the kingdom. These are intercessors. These are leaders. These are prophetic anointed men, man and woman a family that is blessed, and I pray that the power of God will be active in them, and that there will be no, there will be no more attacks from hell. We're just saying, stop it in Jesus' name. For you may be hard-pressed on every side, but you are not crushed in Jesus' name. Jake and Lindsay, you may be perplexed. <laughs> you might be perplexed, but 
not in despair. You might be persecuted, but you are not abandoned. You might be struck down, but you are not destroyed because the power of God is with you and he's on your side. Just receive that. Receive that. Receive that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You guys, are you guys like to church today? How many of you are willing to take a prayer to God where you're pressed into a corner and you're not going to let go until God answers? Yeah, you don't tell God how to do it. But you want, I'm, I'm going to keep pressing in on this thing until God answers. In Jesus' name. You guys with me? Amen. 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 Richard, why don't you come up here and let us discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.